Just how good can this defensive line be for Michigan State this upcoming season? Also, what else did Scotty Hazelton have to say at today's practice? And then, well, woohoo, more recruiting fun. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show of Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with any purchase. That's right, not just great shorts, but also a very nice hat as well. You will not want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Gang, Let's stop wasting time. Let's just get into today's show here because, yes, there was media availability at Wednesday's practice, and it was defense day. Got to hear from Dyron Reynolds, the defensive line coach, and, of course, the man that captains the defense itself, the defensive coordinator, Scotty Hazelton. And we're going to spend this segment talking about the trenches. That's right, something that could be a strength for Michigan State this upcoming season. If you talk to a lot of people, including myself, expecting a big year for Michigan State in between the tackles, or outside the tackles, ideally, if you're going to sack the quarterback. Uh, let's get into it right now. Now, Chris Solari, he was one of the fine media members out there at practice. Go give Chris Solari a follow. Go follow his work at the Free Press. But he tweeted out, Hazelton points to defensive tackle Simeon Barrow and Derek Harmon as, quote, guys who can change a game. He also went on to tweet, hey, Hazelton pointed out that in the spring, who is he most excited to see or most excited to watch more of? He mentioned linebacker Jordan Hall, of course, a true freshman out of IMG Academy, and then transferred from Texas A&M defensive end to Missy Adelaide. We're going to get more to that defensive end part here in a second, but also added Jalen Sami, the transfer from Colorado. We'll talk more about him, certainly. And then well, defensive back true freshman Sean Brown, which is not a name I'd expect to hear. And then also Chance Rucker. He's a cornerback as well out of Texas. We've talked a little bit about him in the offseason that, hey, maybe he could have a Josiah Scott type of year and get some good run as a true freshman. But more on them later. We're going to stick with the defensive line for now. Hazleton praised Tumasi Adelaide. Of course, you guys know who he is. If you don't, Former five-star or highly rated four-star recruit, depending on what site you looked at, out of Texas A&M, he comes here. And uh, Hazleton added that, quote, he has a toughness and quality to the edge. Now, when you hear edge or defensive end, I think that in itself is a good storyline here because that's the fascinating thing about Tumisi Adelaide is that you can put him all over this defensive line. I mean, God, he's built for it. And certainly when you talk to him, hmm. He seems to seem that he could play all over as well. Spartans Illustrated, they chatted with Tumisi for the player availability as well at practice and said that, well, Tumisi thinks that he could play anywhere from the 9 to the 0 on the defensive line. And what that means, if you're a 9, you are lined up outside of the shoulder of the tight end. You are going to be just headhunting for that quarterback. Or if you move into the 0, you are lined up right over the center. Now, I imagine if he plays the zero, that will be for the NASCAR packages, if you will. Those third and lawn packages where you know the offense is going to be airing the ball out. All right, you could put four speed guys on the defensive line. You could have Chris Bogle, Avery Dunn as your defensive ends. Then Tumisi Adelaide up the middle. Goodness gracious. And then also, hey, maybe Brandon Wright as well. Throw him in the mix as well. I, that, I, I could see that on like, what, third and 11? 
Being a tall task for a offensive line to stop, so yeah, that's what he means with, you know, 9-0. to zero. He can play anywhere from defensive end to that, I mean, the, the conventional nose tackle position, if you will, but not, not played in a conventional way at all. Also, Dyron Reynolds uh, raved about the competition going on at practice amongst the defensive line, called it chippy out there, but yes, there is going to be no shortage of combinations on the defensive line for Dyron Reynolds, for Scotty Hazleton here. And this is something Mel Tucker talked about very recently ago, uh, is just how much size is on this defensive line. Now, Michigan State saw two transfers leave the program on the defensive line. Three, if you want to add Jeff Petrowski as well. But for, as far as interior guys go, Michael Fletcher, six foot four. 260 pounds, and then Deshaun Mallory, six foot two, 280 pounds. Look, fine players here at Michigan State. They they did well here. Uh, Michael Fletcher uh, went. Oh shoot, no, or Deshaun Mallory went to Arizona State. Regardless, out of the program, solid landing spots for them. Michigan State brings in Dre Butler, 6'5", 300 pounds. Jarrett Jackson, 6'6", 300 pounds. And then Jalen Sami, 6'6", 330 pounds. That is at least. 30 more pounds of beef for these guys from who Michigan State saw depart in the offseason. Mel Tucker talked about it that, yeah, we were a little thin at defensive line, and I, I don't think he was talking about depth last year. I think he was talking literal size of the defensive linemen. So added the beef there to stop the run because guess what? In the Big Ten, against some of these schools, like, I don't know, Michigan or Penn State, you're going to want to stop the run. So that's, that's going to be a little important here. And, look, we're getting that reflected in practice right now. Also, Michigan State football tweeted out just a picture of Simeon Barrow. You know, that a big season is going to be coming up for him. Keep your eye on him. But then Darian Harris quote tweeted that and just said, all American. Just simple two words, but, and of course, Darian's going to hype his guys up. But is it that crazy? I, I tend to not think so. Look, there's a reason that Simeon Barrow, you didn't hear this from me, was pretty heavily tampered with <laughs> from a lot of other programs across the country. There's a lot of other programs. I see Simeon Barrow as a, just like was said earlier, a game-changing player. So this is going to funnel right into a mailbag question that we got from Caleb. He writes in, this is going to be our best front seven since which year? Well, okay, it, it, it's been kind of a touch-and-go here in the last few years, but you don't have to go back too far to remember a solid defensive line, luckily, here in East Lansing. Back in 2019, the defensive line was Kenny Willekes, Jacob Panashuk, Raekwon Williams, Mike Panashuk. He also had Drew Beasley, Naquan Jones, Jacob Slade, the young Jacob Slade back then. That 2019 front was nasty. Just absolutely nasty. 77.9 rushing yards per game. That was best in the nation by almost 20 yards. They were second in opponent yards per carry. 2.58 yards per carry. Are you kidding me? It's like they played with nine guys on the defensive line. That's how good they were. Now, for context, last year... 4.3 yards per carry. That was outside of the top 80 in the nation. Again, that was reflected with the moves in the offseason to get more size up front. Also, hey, the 2019 team, eighth in third down defense, 30% conversion rate for the opponents. And then we're going to get into some running stats here. The 2019 team in the nation, they were eighth best in the country at stuff rate. All right, that is the percentage of plays that get stuffed at or behind the line of scrimmage. They did that 25.2% of the time in 2019. 
Last year, just 17.5%. That was 74th in the nation. Right at average, if not just a tick below average in the nation. Also, another fun running stat that we'd like to talk about here on this show, opportunity rate. All right, which runs go at least four yards? What percentage of those? For Michigan State's opponents back in 2019, just 40% of those. Last year, it was 46.1, sorry, 45th best in the nation last year, whereas 2019, 7th best in the nation. So... Are they going to be as good as they were in 2019? I'm not going to kid you. Like, that is a tall billing to live up to. I mean, 77.9 yards per game. I don't think it'll be that good. However, 2018 wasn't too far off. Like, a lot of these metrics we just named off, like opportunity rate, stuff rate, yards per carry, yards per game. The 2018 defense, top 20 in the nation in a lot of those metrics. I think the defense... The front, with the depth, just the talent. And also, hey, it doesn't hurt to have great run-stopping linebackers, who we will get to here in a hot second. I think Michigan State can have a top 20 run-stopping defensive line in the country. I know, that's going to be a big spring up for where they were last year. But look, again, I mean, I, I know it's the optimism. And everyone's undefeated in the month of August. But it's not entirely the same unit that came back last year from that mediocre at best unit. There is some serious talent, some depth by way of the transfer portal, or hey, just development as well. I mean, we saw Avery Dunn get a lot of spin last year because, well, God, everyone else was injured. He got a lot of great reps last year. I think it's going to be a strong year for the defensive line. Now, we are not done talking about the defense just yet. No, 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 no. Come on. So you need to talk your ear off first about fan duel sportsbook. Gang, not just college football starting here in a hot second, but also N. FL and FanDuel's got just what you need for the football season. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get a bonus bet every time they win in the regular season. That's right. If you're going to take the Lions, because when has that ever been financially irresponsible? If you want to take the Lions to win the Super Bowl, Every time they win in the regular season, gang, you're going to wake up on Monday morning with a bonus bet in your account. Pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you will get a bonus bet for every victory. And guys, you can also use these bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-under, same-game parlays. Just go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. All right, let's get back in the mix here for some more football banter because I, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, no, it's going to be a fun season coming up. Big season for the defense as well. Now, let's talk about the linebacker position here because there are a lot of storylines that maybe aren't talked about enough when it comes to the defense because, yeah, look, a lot of eyes are on the secondary. We're going to talk about them in a second, and there's a lot of eyeballs on the offense as well with the quarterback battle, wide receiver battle, tight end battle. Battles everywhere, basically. But hey, with the linebacker, Scotty Hazleton mentioned on Wednesday that Aaron Brule is the third guy at linebacker. Also, that Michigan State uh, moving to more of a 4-3 becomes possible because, well, hey, if you're playing against opponents like Iowa that has a big front, likes to run the ball like Penn State, like Michigan, well, it helps to use a 4-3 look, and Aaron Brule is more of that natural linebacker role. Now, of course, Michigan State... In the past, ran a 4-2-5. I don't expect them to completely stray away from that. I think that this 4-3 
might just be playing to the strengths of what the roster has for you. Now, let me explain after getting to this next part here. Another interesting note here, linebacker Darius Snow, quote, able to do some drills, but is also, quote, not quite ready yet. That is from Scotty Hazleton. Well, you all remember his leg blew up in the first game last year, and it has been a big, tough battle to work back from. Just to let alone run, I, I mean, just for, forget football here for a second, but guys, I just want to reiterate, it was a big injury that Darius Snow had. And another mailbag question that we're going to get to just to tie this all in, did Snow really go from a top three player on the defensive side to start last year to a backup linebacker this year? How does he fit in? Look, I think the world of Darius Snow always has thought the world of him. I think he was the best tackler on the team last year. Unfortunately, we only got to see it for, what, a quarter or two? But this is just to reiterate, to, to throw caution to all the Spartan fans listening right now that, yes, Darius Snow, I believe, 100% is one of the best players on Michigan State's defense. Just want to reiterate that. I don't know how much we can expect from Darius Snow just because of that injury. Like, will it be 75% of Darius Snow from what he usually is? I, I don't know. Just wait and see. But while he is on the mend still, your next best linebacker is Aaron Brule. You plug him in for Darius Snow because, well, yeah, Darius Snow was really good at tackling. What else was he the best at amongst the linebackers, though? Pass coverage. Like, he did have the agility, the athleticism to hang with slot receivers, tight ends, things of that nature, running backs out of the backfield. Whereas, well, when you saw him leave last year, kind of saw a dip there because, well, yeah, it takes an athletic person to play that third linebacker position. I mean, it's really almost like a nickel position for Michigan State. So Aaron Brule is the best pass coverage guy amongst the rest of the linebackers. Now, of course, I don't expect them to stray away completely from the 4-2-5. Let's say it's a team like Washington, who did have success running the ball last year. They ran it at 4.7 yards per carry last year, but they let's not get it twisted. They are known for airing the ball out, especially with the NFL caliber receivers and a guy's experience as Michael Penix. You might want someone just a twinge faster than Aaron Brule for games like that. So that's where guys like, well, Angelo Gross come into play. He's been playing the nickel position for quite a bit at Michigan State. I think he's a really good run stopper at the nickel position. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to just depend on the matchup for Michigan State. Is it going to be more of a passing team? Okay, I think it'll be Angelo Gross until Darius Snow gets back. Or, hey, if it's more of a team that keeps it between the tackles, yes, they can pass, but they make their hay just with the ground-and-pound game. I think we're going to be seeing Aaron Brule there just because he's more of a linebacker than Angelo Gross is, who is more of like a defensive back. It's Again, hey, nickel, tricky position to figure out, but that's where Michigan State is right now, and I think that is very reflective of the Darius Snow recovery right now. Now, do I think that this is all a smokescreen for Darius Snow? Like, they're just throwing all this out there to, you know, kind of trick the early teams that, no, he really is 100% healthy? Um, no, I, I, I don't think that um, because, well, I... If you have to do that to beat Central and Richmond, then okay, we, we got more problems than than just Darius Snow's health here. But no, I I look, if it was Washington in week one, maybe I'd be a little more skeptical as to how honest this is. But no, I, I truly believe that, yeah, it's gonna be a big battle back for Darius Snow. Um also, hey, let's talk about the secondary here. Scotty Hazelton pointed to Dylan Tatum, Jaden Mangum, and Malik Spencer as three guys emerging as the leaders in the secondary, all three second year players here. And speaking of secondary and linebackers, interesting note here. I don't know how important this will be in the season, but let's throw it out there anyway. 
hey, Harold Joyner was working with the linebackers. Now, okay, he was just a safety. And before safety, he was a running back. Now, if you want to go all the way back to when D'Antonio was around, you know the name Harold Joyner because he was a four-star running back, picked between Auburn and Michigan State, went with Auburn, transferred away from Auburn. He came to Michigan State, did not stick on as a running back. I believe they worked him in as an H-back or tight end for a little bit. That didn't work out. Okay, spring ball rolls around. You're going to start as a safety, but now working with the linebackers, and I, that's interesting. Six foot four, 220 pounds. I... I mean, he sizes up nice as a linebacker. Maybe he can be that nickel guy, but I, I also think this is a situation where, look, he wasn't going to transfer out of this year because I don't even know if he could have played anywhere if he did transfer out based on eligibility issues because he's a sixth-year senior this year. I just think they're throwing Harold Joyner spaghetti at a wall and just seeing what sticks. But th that's that's interesting. If the depth gets that thin, I mean, it, look, maybe Harold Joyner, again, six foot four, 220 pounds, Maybe he does get a little run here in that hybrid position, but back to the secondary here. Uh, also, Scotty Hazleton talked about the communication with and without Xavier Henderson. Look, this is a conversation we had with Chase Glasser not too long ago. Chase Glasser of Spartans Illustrated does great work. Go subscribe there. We're going to try to have him on very soon. But Xavier Henderson, like athletically, wasn't the fastest safety out there. You know, it wasn't the most like athletically gifted, I guess. And that pains me to say, believe me. That's not a slight. I mean, I think that's reflected in him going undrafted. Of course, he had that leg injury as well. I, I loved Xavier Henderson here. I'm going to miss him a lot. And I wonder how much the secondary is going to miss him as well because he was just the captain out on that field. And when he missed those games in the middle of the season... It was night and day without Xavier Henderson. So that has been a big emphasis, Scotty Hazleton has said, with these young guys. Guys like Dylan Tatum, Jenga Mangum, Malik Spencer, that someone has to be really, really, really talking about there and communicate with everyone else. Also, with the cornerbacks as well, mentioned that Chance Rucker getting some run as well. Guys, there are going to be reps had here amongst the cornerback group. We've talked about it up and down, but let's talk about it some more right now. I imagine Chuck Brantley. I imagine Marky Lowry. That, that's who I think right now is probably going to be your starting cornerbacks right now. Hearing some good things about Terry Roberts, the transfer out of Iowa. But also, hey, you know what? It's, it's not like these are set in stone. This is a massive question mark, and we have heard good things about Chance Rucker. All right, Highly rated three-star kid or lowly rated four-star kid, depending what site you look at. Now, he could be getting some Josiah Scott true freshman run here this season. But the biggest surprise... Out of any media availability so far this season, again, there hasn't been a ton. We're only in the second week of fall camp here, but really surprised to hear that Sean Brown has his name here. I, I wonder I wonder how much truth there is to that, but hey, I mean, look, the, the, the more the merrier here. So yeah, if we could have another true freshman get some early reps in here for Michigan State, I mean, that, fine, sure, yes, throw whatever you want on a wall for cornerback position as far as I care. But yeah, so those are two names to keep your eye on as far as young guns go. Ch sorry, Chance Rucker and then Sean Brown as well. Gang, we will be back with more in a hot second. Got to talk about recruiting here because, well, there was a surprise that happened on Tuesday evening. Uh, but, hey, first got to talk to you about bird dog shorts. I'm wearing them right now. If I tried to show them to you, I'd be climbing up my shelves. I would fall. I would break my neck. But at least... If I were to do that, I'd be comfortable the entire time because there is no pair of shorts more comfortable in the game than my bird dogs. Guys, 
Got the ones with the liner on the inside. They are just like compression shorts, but not too snug, not too tight. They're not going to constrict blood flow. No, 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 no. You feel amazing, but better yet, you also look amazing as well. They just don't have shorts as well. When it gets a little chilly for the tailgating season, go ahead and get yourself some pants as well. These are just, just like the Lululemon shorts, except one difference. They fit way better, guys. I'm, I'm going to shoot you straight here. They fit way better. You're going to feel good. You're going to look good. And also, hey, when you go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code college, they are going to send you this wonderful white tech hat. I'm stoked to have that hat. I got a weird shaped head and that hat fits perfectly. There's like four hats in my life that fit great. That is one of them. So go to birddogs.com. Don't just get yourself some shorts. Go ahead and get yourself that hat. When you go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code locked on college, you will not want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. So, uh, Hey, we've been talking about Burdell Richardson here. For, you know, about a month-ish, he visited Michigan State. He's teammates with four-star running back commit Anthony Scuda Carey down at Carrollwood Day in Tampa. A lot of good things were, were blowing in Michigan State's direction for Burdell Richardson. Our guy, Brian Smith, locked on recruiting expert. He said, yeah, Michigan State sits in a really good spot. John Garcia of Rivals, he had a piece not too long ago predicting that, yeah, Burdell Richardson, I would say he's going to go to Michigan State. Guys, you probably already know where I'm going with this because, well, if you if you committed to Michigan State, we would start off today's show with that. Um, guys, uh, um, okay, well, no, he did not pick Michigan State. And, well, he also named his Final Four not too long ago that had Michigan State in it. He also had Michigan in it. Well, did he go to Michigan? No. All right. LSU was the third team in his Final Four. Is he saying go Tigers? No. Okay, well, the fourth team was Oregon. You know, pretty good team on the recruiting trail, of course, our new Big Ten brethren. Surely, he went to Oregon because those were his four schools. Michigan State, Michigan, LSU, Oregon. Not so fast, my friend. On Tuesday night, he commits to UCF, University of Central Florida. None of those teams on his top four, and sure, why not? I mean, that just makes sense in the world of recruiting. I mean, God, recruiting reporters and experts are, are not paid enough because I... I I go batty trying to follow it, and we only cover it just like like averagely. I mean, imagine being one of those guys in the weeds like a Brian Smith or a John Garcia. Like, holy smokes, it is impossible to keep track of everything. So that was out of nowhere because there wasn't a commitment date set up. All of a sudden, hey, Tuesday night, go Knights, baby. I'm going to join... Gus Malzahn at UCF. So, like, look, obviously you could tell uh, that's, 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 that's a little annoying. That's kind of a hit here. I'd really like to have more four stars than, than not. Uh, but you can understand why Burdell committed to UCF. Like, let's take the final four out of it. I mean, God, I'm at the point now if I see a kid tweet out, like, a final four or a final five, I, I won't even pay any attention to it. But, yeah, like, look, it's two hours away from his home. Uh, he gets to be one of the best recruits of all time at UCF, and that's not hyperbole. Like, he is going to be the best wide receiver commit since 2007 for the Golden Knights. And, look, maybe he just wanted to be the guy in the recruiting class right now. we got Nick Marsh over here, four-star, top 150 player. Yes, that would have been a dynamic pairing, and clearly you could have more than one receiver on the field. It's not like he would be log-jammed if he was here, but... I guess I, they must have offered him a great package of, like, playing opportunity and stuff like that at UCF. Now, of course, we're not going to call this quits just yet. We still have many months until signing day, and we talk about that whenever a guy commits elsewhere, right? Like, hey, Kamar Mathudi, Dylan Williams, they both commit to Oregon. 
What's the first thing that every fan base like us that didn't get those kids, what do we talk about? Hey, we talk about, well, we could flip them, right? I do think that maybe of the kids that are still out there that committed elsewhere, like Zadavian Sims is another one, the defensive lineman that committed to Oregon as well, and soon to be David Stone when he commits to Oklahoma and not uh, the far future. Uh, sorry to write on that parade. Better to, to prepare for it. But I think of all the guys that maybe Burdell Richardson is the best flip candidate. I mean, it does not hurt that Scoot carry. One of the most vocal guys in this class for Michigan State is teammates with him. So, I don't know. Again, we, we got a long way to go. The, the commitment just seems just so out of nowhere and surprising that, I, I don't know, so, something doesn't really meet the eye here with that. But, again, it's a world of recruiting. Not, nothing ever meets the eye. So what am I talking about? Anyway, let's get to another mailbag question here. This is a fun one. Josiah writes in at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. You get to schedule MSU's home games non-Penn State and only get the following time slots you get to use just once. 8 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m., and midnight. Factoring in tailgating, what are you going with? You know what? When I read this email, I thought that would be a little tricky, that I'd have a lot of internal debate, but I'm not. I'm pretty set of what I want to have. So 8 a.m., the 8 a.m. game, we are going to slide Richmond into that. We're going to slide the Spiders into that sleepy 8 a.m. kickoff. You know, I don't I don't think anyone is going to be bummed about that. Yes, that's really going to shorten tailgating. I do wonder if they would open the lots at 2 a.m., which, boy, howdy, gee willikers, excuse my language there, but imagine the college kids going from 2 a.m. shutdown at Rick's straight through the lots. Uh, boy, that would be a raucous uh, student section for the, well, 60 kids that would still be alive and conscious at that 8 a.m. kickoff. But, yeah, I mean, hey, look, if you want to sleep in until 1130 on Saturday, I'm sure you wouldn't mind just waking up and seeing the Spartans hopefully win by, you know, three, four touchdowns. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to be missing much of that. Now, for the noon kickoff, the big noon kickoff, if you will, that's right. Washington. And I know that's one of Michigan State's biggest home games, and the noon kickoffs are kind of like underwhelming, but I like the idea of Washington coming over here and playing at 9 a.m. their time. All right, like uh, enough of just like just the West Coast teams getting all the advantages when they come over to Michigan State, but we don't get any advantages as far as kickoff time goes over there. Whatever, I'm definitely not salty about it. Noon for Washington. Now, 3 p.m., uh, look, we're going to go with the Nebraska game. I mean, I, I think by the time early November rolls around, like that's going to be a little too cold, a little too dark to play at night. So we're going to protect ourselves with a little bit of sunlight here at 3 p.m. Now for 7 p.m., we're going to go with the Maryland game. That's going to be a big one here for Michigan State. Look, I mean, that could very well be a game that Michigan State is trying to bounce back from the week before of a loss to Washington. Right now, Washington is favored to win that game. You want to get out of this four straight home game stretch with a 3-1 and one at worst record. So what is the best kickoff time for a crazy atmosphere just for everyone to just really band together, get a good tailgate, and it's not too late for everyone? Maryland. All right, let's have Spartan Stadium buzzing. Now for the 10 p.m. game, Central Michigan. That's right, we're going to go Central Michigan, 10 p.m. against the Chips. Everyone gets back to their house at like 3 in the morning. It'll be a great time. But hey, if they're going to open up the tailgating lots at 3 p.m., like they typically do for these Friday games because something about kids go to class or something crazy like that, imagine that being a concern. Um, yeah, we're going to keep the lots open at 3 p.m. And also just, well, instead of the kickoff time at 7 or 7.30, 
scoot it all the way back to 10. And then for midnight, that's right, gang, there is one more game I did not mention yet. That is the Michigan game. Sure, we got some people concerned that, oh, it might get a little too crazy in East Lansing. A lot of tensions uh, overboiling here for the night game. That's a lot of tailgating for some idiots to all pack into a stadium and then yell at each other and uh, whatever. I want it crazier than what it already is going to be. I want it completely delirious in Spartan Stadium. And what's the best way to do that? Putting the kickoff at midnight. Yes, if you're from Grand Rapids or Metro Detroit, sure, you're going to get home at 5 in the morning at best, but hey, you know what? Midnight, under the lights, all black jerseys, like that just sounds like a hoot and a half. And also, you know, if you're like a fan like me and you spend a lot of your time on the internet, what's great about that game too? Once it's over, you could just go right to bed, all right? You don't have to sit up and follow everything on social media or the message boards and just live the rest of your day just either in the sorrows of a loss or in the complete delirium of a win. I just go right to bed. Don't even give yourself the opportunity to wind yourself in in internet jail or real jail. Let's just all go to bed immediately after, wake up, and, hey, have that parade on that Sunday. So there you have it. That's where we're going to go with. Thank you very much for that question. Again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. We will be back tomorrow. we got the chief of propaganda in the mix, and we're going to be visited by the reasonable genie. That's right. We're each going to grant... Three reasonable wishes for the Michigan State fan base for the upcoming season. But until then, hey, enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go Green.